Just and the humidity is 87%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. This is Karha. And today's program, we're talking about the latest suspected child abuse case. A nine-month-old baby girl was found to have blood clots in her brain three days ago. As of last night, she remained under intensive care at Chimun Hospital. The babysitter who has been taking care of the girl has been arrested on suspicion of child abuse and released on bail. The 33-year-old woman was trained by an NGO as part of a childcare project subsidised by the Social Welfare Department and had only started work this month. The Secretary for Labour and Welfare, Chris Sun, said the government is very concerned about the case and will review the guidelines and training requirements for child, child minors to see if there are any areas that need to be strengthened or improved. So what kind of training is usually given to child minders? Is it enough? Enough. After 9.45, we will look at a new pet-friendly ferry service launched between Chuan O and Sai Wan Ho. And we'd love to hear from you. So do call us anytime on 233-88266 and join the conversation. You can also contact us on WhatsApp on the number 6899-8518. So again, on WhatsApp, the number is 6899-8518. Of course, you can comment on our Facebook page or email us, which is on backchat at rthk.hk. We'd love to hear from you. Programs called Backchat. Please join in the conversation. And so today, again, we're talking about that latest case of uh, suspected child abuse. And joining us on the line this morning, we have Priscilla Loy. See, she's a child advocate and former chair of the Hong Kong Committee on Children's Rights and a former member of the Hong Kong Commission on Children. Good morning, Priscilla Loy. Good morning. And also with us this morning is Dr. Patrick Zhang. He's a chairperson and executive committee um, uh, uh, for Against Child Abuse. Good morning, Mr. Chang. Good morning. Um, first of all, Priscilla Lo, uh, were you surprised by this um, latest case? So, so let's, let's go over what happened to this little girl. Um, she was, uh, so the, the, the helper for the family had gone on leave. Um, the parents... Um, left her with uh, a lady who had been trained by Yanoi Tong, who, which is one of the NGO that took part in this uh, social welfare scheme of providing uh, childcare, basically in the neighbourhood. And um, the father left the child uh, in the morning, came back. Well, rather at, at 2 p.m., uh, the father was told that the child um, had uh, had. There was a problem after a bath, and she had found the child uh, unconscious. So, and and the woman who took care of the baby was taking care of two children at home. One was her baby's son, who was two years old, and the second one, the victim in this case, a little nine-month-old girl, uh, was also in the house. So, Priscilla Loy, what do you make of this case? Well, I think um, you would agree with me that it's heartbreaking and it's infuriating because such a young soul has not been properly handled and that has been pressing needs unmet in our society. And I'm sure our, our general public and members would agree with me that by no means uh, cases like this is a single isolated incident because the previous cases in residential childcare centers are equally um, disappointing and sad. So I think this is 
the right time. This must be the time for reform for early childhood care and education and services. Right, yeah. While our government, I must say that, while our government is swiftly acting to rescue our, our economic uh, situation, development, putting budgets and uh, time and action and forming high-profile committees with the involvement of senior government officials, they must do similar concerns and actions for the survival, development, protection, and participation of our very young, especially our children, the very young and vulnerable ones. Yes. So, so this program under which the the nanny was working, basically, um, they they go through an NGO, they go through you know a, a variable uh, number of hours of training, and they pay twenty five dollars an hour. Um, in April, uh, the 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 payment for these nannies is going to go up to $40 an hour if you care for a child under three years old. Uh, Dr. Patrick Chung, does this system um, open young children to be very vulnerable to people who maybe are not as qualified as they need to be? Well, um, the government has um, um, supported uh, various uh, child care services. So this uh, neighborhood support child care program is one of them. And as you, uh, I only got the news from uh, my information from the news, um, they are supporting um, uh, about 1,600 child, uh, such uh, uh, childcare uh, persons, and through various organisations, uh, <coughs> which should be uh, able to supervise, provide training, and uh, provide a quality quality care. But um, uh, without uh, further information, it is very difficult for me to comment uh, on uh, how the child was injured. Uh, as you mentioned uh, initially, um, the, 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 the person, arrested person, has uh, uh, found the child to be unconscious. And, and you said the father came back home? I, I wasn't too sure about that. He was but notified by uh, Yan Oi Tong, who runs this uh, program. The father was notified by the Yan Oi Tong. Yeah. So the father was not not at home at the at the no, moment at that no. moment. Oh, okay. So if if uh, usually it's very difficult. Uh, it, it is important to take a, a good history, the medical history, as to how the symptom uh, uh, arise. You know when when it first started. How was the child like when the parents left home? and uh, how the, was the child uh, state uh, uh, discovered and how the child was uh, being transferred to the hospital. So it all provides uh, very vital information for the doctors and the healthcare to make the uh, correct diagnosis. So without such information, it's very difficult to, to comment. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, uh, yeah, that's my comment on, on, on that. So actually, apart from the qualification of the babysitter, um, do you actually think that uh, it is like kind of related to the mental health problem of the people like taking care of the baby? Because I I think it is like so, uh, it is related in at a certain point about their they can't control maybe they can't control their emotion when they hear about the baby like yelling and crying and then they have like different reaction. Do you think? The mental health problem is like uh, the government need to pay attention to. Yes, the, beside medical problems, there are other uh, other issues issues that can lead to such a. Uh 
problems. Like uh, when uh, a lot of people are, uh, are aware of the shaken baby syndrome, so it happens when the <clears throat> when the child was uh, crying, um, and then the baby uh, Kara was uh, having uh, yeah, a problem in uh, having uh, uh, caring for the child, and in in the moment of uh, anger, um, so shake the baby. Mm. So this is one of the possibility, but um, other. As I said before, other causes we need to uh, investigate and further explore before we can make a definite diagnosis. Um, against child abuse, provide some. I mean, you have volunteers and and you have training programs. What you would would you consider to be the minimal amount of training, or, or the essential training a child, a baby carer should have? Well, um, we have uh, programs uh, <clears throat> uh, for the volunteers to participate, and we also have a home visitation program, program whereby we support uh, young families. So the training uh, for the volunteers will include the basic, uh, you know, child care, their growth and development, and uh, of course knowledge in the child protection and uh, who to, uh, when to call for help. And there is also a support person at the background to supervise and uh, monitor the situation, and so that um, so uh, this is the, uh, the basic framework of the training for the volunteers. I, sup I suppose different organisations have their different uh, training framework, and it is good for the government to um, mention in the news that uh, they are going to review the type of uh, framework that uh, each individual organization, um, you know, when they are uh, providing such services, they, they, should, uh, they should train their volunteers or train the persons who, child, who, who care for the child. Yeah. Priscilla Lo, what do you think um, the, the kind of training should be for uh, a babysitter? Well, to, to start with, I think a very careful screening and recruitment <clears throat> would be very important. And those would require really in-depth understanding of who's coming to apply for the job. Being a volunteer or really a paid uh, part-time or full-time staff. And it needs to look at the experience before, whether they have any experience in handling children, very young ones, and ask them to describe um, what uh, have, have they encountered, the difficulties, the strains, and so on and so forth. And also, on top of the screening recruitment, training, as you mentioned, is very, very important. And I also read in the news that for programs as such, um, only required about an hour or two or maybe a little bit more training. I, I think it's, uh, it's really sad to see that so little time has been devoted in preparing one um, to be hands-on, uh, helping children, taking care of them. So it's a serious underestimation of the need for support, for care, and for the needs of children to be met um, in those kind of services. And uh, my understanding is that very often it, 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 it's in terms of um, hours that um, the help is being provided, and sometimes agencies provided a little bit more sessions. But that would be really underestimating the difficulties, the challenge involved, so in the forefront, some of the members um, who are either volunteers or staff are not really adequately prepared to handle uh, the sudden situation or the difficulties encountered. 
So right. I, I think it's, a, it's a, as I said, the entire community, particularly our government, needs to take this very seriously in encouraging and arranging a more sophisticated training for people in this situation and ensuring that cases like this will not happen again. Okay, so you're listening to Back Chat, and this morning we're talking about the latest case of child abuse in which a nine-year-old, a, a nine-month-old baby girl uh, was left unconscious after she was cared for by a nanny uh, who was uh, trained by, uh, un- under a social welfare department subsidized scheme and trained by an NGO, the Yanoi Tong. So if you have any thoughts on this subject, uh, do call us. Our number is 233 You can also WhatsApp us on our number, which is 6899-8518. Again, WhatsApp, 6899-8518. Or email us at backchat.rthk.hk. Yeah, uh, I would like to continue uh, the, the, the screening part with like, Priscilla, because like I agree with the screening part is very important before hire a proper and uh, like good babysitter but afterwards like is the parents like trust the uh, babysitter that's why they hired them and then afterwards if the babysitter is at home and then what kind of like thing do you think uh, the parents can do when uh, I mean after they hire the babysitter do you like thinking about uh, putting a camera at home to monitor or something else well, oh absolutely that's absolutely true um, the screening is important, mm. but uh, the actual sense of when the child is being taken care by a stranger, I would say a stranger yes. from outside the family, we have to be extremely careful. It's not to say that we, we are not trusting anyone, so become very cautious. But the need is that the safety and protection of our children is of such high importance. And as, as you, you see in the residential child care center, there have been CCTV set up, hmm. and now um, there have been all, all kinds of uh, IT systems helping us to actually monitor and see what's happening, or to check and see it. Yeah, of course, we, we don't um, uh, set them up in, in the very sensitive areas like bathrooms uh, and hmm. so on and so forth, but in, in the open site sitting rooms or maybe in, in the places that um, children can be brought to, we need to monitor the situation and go over those CCTV or the IT kind of system from time to time. Uh, uh, we, we, can award, we can award the, the um, good caring, um, the, the strength and so on through monitoring and give a reward system. But at the same time, we will be able to pick up the, uh, the um, minor areas and to support and improve the situation before it deteriorated into a traumatic and uncontrollable ones. Okay, but this is a situation in which the nanny was taking care of somebody else's baby in her own home. So, Priscilla, are you saying that if you sign up this to this program to be a nanny, you should have a camera in your own home? Well, it really depends on the situation and depends on how you monitor. Yeah. Talking about the training session, in fact, it would be important for the practical elements, like cases handled, difficulties, and so on and so forth, if they are videotaped and if there are uh, kind of um, trainers, experienced ones who have encountered all those, during the training session, we can provide them, provide the videos, provide the training of um, uh, uh, survivors 
who managed to share the experience. So those were the practical elements to strengthen the one who is going into the job. And on the uh, uh, next move would be supervision. I think um, that for this kind of many um, services, I, I don't believe they have put in the kind of um, very close-up supervision. Um, first of all, uh, prior service allowing them to kind of have an observation or in the service have somebody coaching them. Um, I think these kind of services would be important in strengthening the one who's in the forefront and uh, uh, alerting them to the importance of proper care and protection Right. Very young. Okay, so one of our listeners, Henry, has written in and he says he admits he has no medical training and but he is saying that having a blood clot in the brain must be due to some serious heart insult to the head causing, uh, you know, the, the, the blood clot. Uh, yeah. And he, he thinks, the listener thinks, that it could only be due to willful action or action totally outside the scope of childminders' training she had received. Now, we, we do not know... Um, Henry, or what course was it? Willful? Was it an accident or whatever? The child is still in intensive care. The the carer has been released on bail, uh, so there will be will be some kind of legal process. So we're we're not going to speculate on on what caused this. But Patrick Jung, you uh, at against child abuse, um, you have a lot of volunteers, and Priscilla Loy is saying screening of what kind of people go into this kind of child care programs is important. Do you have a screening process for volunteers? Oh, well, well, yes, there's a, a intake. There's an intake interview um, in which our social worker will um, talk to the uh, potential volunteers about their past uh, childcare experiences. And uh, of course, uh, during the interview, the um, um, the uh, social worker should be able to elicit any uh, um, sort of behavioral or mood problems of the uh, potential volunteers and make certain uh, judgment on that. And also, <coughs> talking more um, more on this screening. Uh, for our workers, we um, we ask them to have a, uh, a, co- a sort of a previous offender check, uh, but not for all volunteers. We um, we hopefully um, so, sort of uh, beside the staff, we are looking into sort of um, uh, more stringent. Uh, screening of the uh, volunteers um, and also uh, close monitoring by the um, the case social worker is uh, very important and also on site sort of um, <clears throat> if the uh, if the uh, uh, volunteer uh, could um, could be supervised on site uh, by the social worker it would be also a good and periodic check as well right. so um, yeah so the scheme under which this child was hurt these are not volunteers. They paid a, a very minimal amount, $25 mm. an hour. Yeah. And now they're going to increase that amount to $60 an hour in April. Is it, do, do you fear that this is going to draw in more people who are ill-qualified and just in there for a bit of money in the pocket? I think, I think it's... Uh, um it is the gesture of uh, recognition of their, their 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 good intention to help in uh, child care in the for the needed families. Uh, as I understand, it is uh, about forty forty dollars or sixty dollars per hour for younger uh, infants. So uh, it is not it is not a lot of money. 
and um, I, I, I think um, we have to make a, a balance. Uh, we have to make a balance to um, to sort of to raise awareness of the needs of the different families, so that uh, there are more people coming out to to help in uh, in childcare for their needed families. So. Okay. So uh, apart from the screening part and also the salary part, so what do you suggest the parents should pay attention uh, after hiring a babysitter? Well, I think um, I think the parents should um, work closely with the monitoring organization, mm. and also before handling ha- handle the, the, the handling the child to the uh, to the childcare person, uh, uh, you, you you know the state of the child of the care uh, of of the child, and when you pick up the child, you you need to uh, check if the child is behaving normally, uh, feeding normally any bruises on the skin, uh, etc. So anything that raise your suspicions, you need to ask for, for a reason. So uh, unfortunately, we need to do, to do that um, when we're placing our, our young children with uh, sort of strangers in quotation marks. So. Or yeah. actually, it's better to uh, send the baby to daycare center or something? Daycare costs more center. money. <laughs> Yes, yeah, certainly. If there there are there are daycare centres that can uh, have uh, a placement or, or, or uh, uh, available, it may be an alternative. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. but they do not offer um, flexible hours. You, you know, and also the, the the age range you need to consider the uh, NSCCP, the child care support service, they, are, they provide up to age nine or something like that, as I can remember. So daycare center they may not be able to support that. So the so different uh, child care uh, facilities or support we we need to explore mm. and also need to strengthen. Yeah. So, uh, following this case, the uh, lawmaker for the uh, welfare sector, Tech Chi Yun, he he felt that there needs part of the problem is there's no standard guidelines were provided by the social welfare department when this service was launched, and he's saying that the organisations, the NGO involved, should carry out visits to the potential carers' home before um, they are matched with the family. Priscilla Lloyd, is that a good suggestion? Absolutely. Absolutely a good suggestion. And as I mentioned, we need a, an awakening to, to uh, the reform in the service of early childhood education. Earlier on, you mentioned about parents. I think parents require support and education in the forefront from the very beginning. And for the Against Child Abuse, years back have taken back one important a program which is home visitation for the early start for the newborn families. So we are saying that to really ensure prevention is better than cure, we have to put it into action. And it needs budget, it needs personnel who are really care and concerned. And I don't think we should take advantage of those who are um, who have the care and concern in giving only a $20 or $40 per hour. That, that is really insufficient recognition and support. But of course, for, for the, um, say, families who need the, the funds and who, who are concerned, they're willing to do that. But uh, I okay. think we need to improve in those kind of support and services. Yeah. Patricia, I know you have to leave us at 9.30. So any other thoughts that you might have on this case? 
Well, uh, on the home visitation program, I think it is a um, it is very worthwhile to uh, for the government to explore whether <clears throat> whether they will support such uh, a, a scheme be- because overseas experience has told us that uh, uh, home visitation, especially for the uh, at risk families, will uh, dramatically help in the um, uh, in the occurrence of uh, child maltreatment and also the for example uh, medical attendance and also the uh, um, uh, in other social, social indicators. Okay. So, well, yeah. thank you very much, Patrick Chung from Against okay. Child thank Abuse. Okay. And Priscilla Lone will be staying with us. I will be back um, after the news. But let's have a look at the weather. It's mainly cloudy today. A few light rain and mist patches in the morning. The maximum temperature will be around 20 degrees during the day. Moderate easterly winds. The outlook is for weather that will be relatively humid in the next couple of days. It will be warm and brighter during the day and windier on Saturday. Currently, the outside temperature is 18 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity 86%. And here's Barry O'Rourke with the news. The US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has said the White House's response to a drone attack which killed three American troops in Jordan could take a number of forms and be sustained over time. Washington has blamed Sunday's attack on Iranian-backed militias, though Tehran has denied involvement. The United States, Germany and France have condemned calls by some Israeli government ministers for the re-establishment of Jewish settlements in Gaza. The comments were made on Sunday at a conference in Jerusalem that was attended by the National Security Minister and the Finance Minister, both from far-right parties in Israel's governing coalition. And the tech billionaire Elon Musk says his Neuralink company has successfully implanted one of its wireless brain chips in a human for the first time. It's hoped it will be an interface with the brain and will allow people paralysed in all four limbs to control devices with their thoughts. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Many friends ask me why I'm so determined to do exercise for at least half an hour every day. Well, if you try it, you'll know why. It's all about sweating. Every time I exercise until I sweat, I seem to overflow with joy and strength, and I feel great for the rest of the day. Come on, start doing exercise with your family and friends. You can visit lcsd.gov.hk for details of its recreation and sports activities. Concentrate on driving and pay attention to road signs. Always think twice before you step on the accelerator. When you change lane, watch out in case there are roadworks nearby. If you see roadwork signs, slow down. The Road Safety Council reminds you, be attentive to roadworks. Stay alert while driving. Welcome back. You're listening to Backchat uh, with Jenny Lam and Kaha. Um, this morning, we're talking about that latest case of child abuse in which a nine-year-old, nine-month-old, sorry, now nine-month-old baby girl suffered a, brain, a clot to her brain after being under the care of a nanny who came under a, a program organized by the social welfare department. The nanny was taking care of the baby in her own home along with her two-year-old two son. Joining us now on the line, we have Carol Sito with Save the Children Hong Kong and also with us in this conversation is Priscilla Loeb, uh, from the, the, a former member of the Hong Kong Commission on Children. Now, please join us uh, on this conversation. You can call us on 233 or WhatsApp us 
on 68998518. You can also email us on backchat at rthk.hk. But let's go to Carosito. Carosito, Save the Children Hong Kong. Now, you also have volunteers and training programs. What do you consider would be appropriate training for uh, somebody who would take care of somebody else's child in their own home? Good morning. Hi. Um, I think in, in this case is a very tragic incident, uh, as we know that you know the government has this neighborhood support childcare program that has been running for a while, and the different NGOs run the services. Um, uh, in terms of training, for us as safety children, we take child safeguarding very seriously. So we offer those type of services to other organizations as well. Um, in this case, we learned that uh, it's the first time actually this nanny is doing this job. Um, we don't know exactly how much training she has gotten. But in general, what we stress when we talk about child safeguarding is that you know, for any organization, you really need to be vigilant. You need to set a, uh, set a certain behavioral standard when you're interacting with a child. Uh, and that policy, the child safeguarding policy, should be in place for the organization. In terms of, of training for the staff, is not just training one time, also refresher training. In this case, especially as we know that uh, this nanny has only, you know, is very new actually, we would suggest, you know, some kind of shadowing for the, the less experienced child carer that you can actually shadow someone more experienced or you can have some kind of a buddy system. So, you know, before they become, you know, very experienced, you can buddy up and have a more experienced uh, carer supporting the less experienced one. Yeah. Um, so there are different means. Right. So these legislators, among them uh, Tan Kapu and Tik Chi Yun, they're saying that there needs to be a more comprehensive training net uh, framework and guidelines. If the government is to draw up such a framework or come up with guidelines, uh, Carol Sita, what do you think are the essentials? Uh, it, it seems to me that, you know, for this program, there are different operators running it. and There doesn't seem to be a standardized training or requirement uh, for this type of home-based care. So I think it would be very helpful in this case to have more rigorous uh, standardized training. Um, so, you know, when it comes to training, it actually starts, you know, all the way from the point of recruitment. You know, when you recruit people, certain standards, certain considerations and criteria you should look for. Uh, people that have experience taking care of the child, and also uh, uh, the actual training for the staff, you should um, raise the awareness of different risks uh, uh, that they can cause to children, intentionally or unintentionally, so that they make sure the environment is actually child safe. And also, actually, uh, after the pandemic, uh, I think the... um, in the first half of 2023 last year, actually police have a recorded uh, 29% um, year on year rates in child abuse cases already, which is like actually including the babysitter or their own parents or the domestic helper at home. So um, apart from the babysitter, they may have like may need to have more training or like screening session, which we have discussed uh, uh, from the last like, part of our program and also what do you think the parents should do or like do the parent need some more like training before before having a baby or like after the ba- having a baby because like they are one of the uh, elements of ha- having a child abuse cases 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, like you called out, I think these couple of years have been, you know, very sad that we see, you know, some of these, you know, really uh, uh, cases coming out, you know, uh, that, you know, whether it's happening in the home or residential care home or at centers, the tutor centers. So I think there's really a wide spectrum of different parties uh, that together we need to be much more vigilant when it comes to uh, uh, safeguarding a place and also uh, making sure that we are doing no harm to children. In, uh, in terms of parents, you asked before, uh, we always advocate for uh, wider scale parent education. Uh, positive parenting is very important. I think in Hong Kong, our society have this uh, culture, you know, this cultural norm that, you know, sometimes parents themselves can use, you know, physical or, yeah. or, or verbal uh, uh, humiliating words when they discipline children. So in, when it comes to parenting, there's a lot of education that we can share with the parents um, how to, you know, uh, bring up a child and what is best for the child. Right, for and then uh, what, yeah. that is nannies or, or grand, grandparents. There are a lot of people that are interacting with the children that we can share a lot of education with them. Right, just to, just to clarify, in this particular case, the father left the child with the nanny at the nanny's home. Father went to work, or, or, or anyway, he, he left the child in the morning. In the afternoon, he was notifi notified by Yan Ai Tong that the child uh, was not well, apparently after a bath. But Priscilla, I, I want to ask you, you've been in um, child welfare, working on child welfare in Hong Kong for many years now. This is just the latest case. You remember um, in, in June last year, we had that horrific case of a childcare home at the uh, run by the Hong Kong Society for the Protection of Children, um, and people were convicted in that case. Uh, has there been a change in in the kind of people involved in childcare? Why why, why are we seeing this increase in child abuse? Well, there has been different reasons um, for the increase in child abuse. Um, we, we have always seen the increase. Um, during and after the COVID period, mm. uh, saying that because children and families have been locked in and the, um, the time for contacting, the frequency for contacting has increased. And that reflected the need um, for support, particularly during those crisis moments. And yet the, the, the kind of support during those, those moments has not been put in place uh, adequately enough so mainly it had been done online or through the phone calls. So there hasn't been any kind of more personal kind of contact or advice given to families. I know that various um, parties in the community, including our government, have been trying. But I think we are taking small steps. I think we need to take bigger steps and being um, more active. What are you uh, thinking informing. about? When you uh, said bigger steps. Yeah, there, there are many things on my mind. Um, on one hand is that the biggest step is that um, we, we need a number of things. First of all, um, we, we need a, really a child ombudsman, uh, a child ombudsman and a team under the ombudsman who have been mandated and giving the authority to act and giving the resources to act and giving the time and trust to act. And at the present moment, we do have a, a child commission, which is a good thing. If we don't have it, we wouldn't have a platform yeah, for concerned parties, experienced ones, to uh, bring the, their heads and hearts together. But that's not sufficient, and I, I really must say that we haven't seen a quick enough 
changes and reforms that we're hoping to see. That's one thing. It's a long way. Mm. And secondly, I think the, um, it's important for, for, for example, this particular case, we are pinpointing to the helper, to, to the one um, in the forefront. But a child see this case and fatality case review um, mandatory one needs to be set up and we do not have one in town. And advocates have been urging for that for a long, long time. And I ho- hope the government will not be t- uh, turning a deaf ear uh, this time and at this stage. A child fatality review and serious cases review uh, system needs to be put in place in order to really trace the root and tackle the root problems. Uh, for this case, we were talking about the police is handling, is uh, investigating. And we, we need to explore further the family situation prior to um, coming to this particular young Moitong group. What's happening to the family, to the carer previously handled and the parents and so on and so forth. Not to say that we, we are uh, suspecting they have harmed the child, but we need to seriously look at it right. before we make any uh, quick assumptions. Yeah, Sita, what do you think? So Priscilla Loy is basically saying that there needs to be a child ombudsman who oversee, you know, uh, children's welfare. What What do you think, Karasito? Um Yes, I, I agree with that, support uh, what Priscilla just said. I think when it, it comes to child safeguarding, there are many different aspects that we need to look at. Having that focal point, uh, someone who is responsible, take accountability, someone, you know, people know who to go to is very important and championing, uh, basically preventing all kinds of harm to children. Uh, when it, you know, you look at an organization, in this case, it's the nanny. The nanny is also a representative of the organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, just now I was mentioning the recruitment, the training aspects, it's also very important. Ultimately, you want to create that culture, the culture of child safeguarding. So you make sure that your monitoring system is in place, your supervision is in place, that the, the training, the recruitment procedures, everything is in place. Uh, so... Uh, with all these cases that we hear over the years and the number of child abuse cases going up, I think we all take a responsibility and we need to be very vigilant in this aspect. Well, we've been talking about, you know, stepping up training for for these uh, nannies who basically take care of other people's children for a small amount of money in their neighbourhood. And one of our listeners, um, uh, he, he basically left a message, he didn't leave his name, and he's saying... Do they teach anger management in this kind of training? Now, basically, that's asking, do we assess the character or personality of the of the person who's going to take care of, of uh, somebody else's child? Priscilla, that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you can teach first aid. You, you can teach, you know, how to call for help. But do they teach anger management, uh, judging the character? That's, that's hard. That, that's not, nothing is easy. Nothing is easy, but nothing is impossible. And I, I notice in some of the overseas programs, they do teach that kind of anger management or handling kind of stress uh, and uh, temper tantrum in children or even in parents. I think unless and until we are willing to, to confront situations as such, which adds to the problem of the, uh, the volunteer or the professional or even the professional, yeah, unless we, we raise them to the forefront and encourage them to talk about it, these kind of situations will not be properly handled. And as, um, as um, the, Dr. Sito mentioned, um, uh, uh, the child safeguarding is 
a very important area. And then the, the uh, child champions and advocate um, agencies such like um, the CETOs one have been urging for the government to take the lead to ensure all organizations, all parties, to put down their child safeguarding policy and train their staff, volunteers and personnel, executive members and so on to see the importance of quality care for children and families. And I think the government needs to take the lead. I know our chief executive is very concerned about children, but, but sadly to say his hands are full, but he needs to see the importance in putting these into his policy address and into his budget um, the speech or budget report so that there would be sufficient resources and time spent to ensure our baseline, our future for tomorrow is solid, uh, has good quality and who's happy. Yeah, in building a happy Hong Kong. Thank and you. And I think that's the essence. Thank you. So, of course, the government budget is coming up uh, in, in, the, in the next couple of months, and you're hoping that they'll allocate more budget to, to child welfare. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's not child welfare. It's child's best interest. Child it's education, interest. it's health care, it's welfare, all aspects. So a child perspective, in that sense, needs to be um, put in very seriously into the policy uh, address. Not just a few lines or, or even a paragraph or two, but it's that kind of um, perspective that our community needs to acquire in order to go forward and have a long-term vision. Thank you very much, Priscilla Lowe, for joining us this morning. That's Priscilla Lowe uh, from the Hong Kong Commission on Children. She was a former member there. One last thing, Carol Sita from Save the Children. Um, so Priscilla Lowe is saying that we need to have a more sort of comprehensive approach to taking care of the interests of children. Now, Save the Children, of course, is a worldwide organisation. Is Hong Kong behind in, in, in that kind of thinking and strategy in, in terms of taking care of the interests of children? Um, I wouldn't say that Hong Kong is behind. I mean, it, each country, you know, has its own dynamics, uh, its own law. <clears throat> I think if we look at uh, uh, just now, you bring up the number of child abuse cases worldwide. We also see because of COVID, you know, the, the families are, are at home and they're under stress. The, the risk of child abuse is higher, and we are seeing that everywhere. I think Hong Kong is making good steps. Uh, just now you mentioned the legislation last year that is proposed for mandatory reporting of child abuse cases. That's really important. I really hope the government would expedite the passing of this law. And we should really set a culture uh, and set the expectation for society that we cannot look, turn a blind eye when we see child abuse cases. A prevention is always better than cure. So we should do uh, as much as possible, whether it's child safeguarding policies in organizations, positive parenting at the homes to prevent any kind of harm and violence to children. Thank you very much, Carosito, uh, for joining us this morning from Save the Children Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. We're coming up to 10 minutes to 10. You're listening to Back Chat. And uh, now we're going to be talking about a new pet-friendly ferry service that's going to be launched between Chang Kwan Ho and Sai Wan Ho. And joining us on the line, we have Angel Chong from the Sai Kung District. Uh, she's a district council member of Sai Kung. Good morning, Ms. Chong. 
Good morning. Um, tell us a little more about this ferry service. Um, okay, so this ferry service actually goes between uh, Changquan O and Taiwan Ho. Um, I think it's uh, um, people are allowed to bring on pets and also their bicycle, um, but they have to pay for their pets, oh, of course. Any uh, kind of pet? <laughs> uh, well, yes, actually, I asked the same question. I think any kind of pet, as long as you pay for your pet. Yeah, uh, I am actually very excited for this service and because I am recently looking for a flat in Changquano and looking for a better way to go like to the island side apart from the MTR. So I think it is better. So uh, how do you think it's like how popular do you foresee this um, new pet friendly ferry service between this like two districts? To become, I I think it's going to be quite popular because it's definitely going to be more convenient for people who live around the area to transport um, across the harbor, uh, especially during weekends when they're uh, when they want to bring their pets around or even with their bicycles. Hmm. Um, not only does it benefit people who live in Changquan O, but also for people who live in Hong Kong Island, since uh, the Changquan O Waterfront Park has a lot of family friendly pet-friendly and couple-friendly area. Um, for example, we have a bike lane, a sidewalk with an amazing view, um, a pet garden, and a lot of amazing restaurants. Is but it, um, in the future, we do hope that we can add additional stops in between the current ones. Yeah, is it an, an unique service? Because I know there is another uh, ferry service from Kuntong to Saiwan Ho as well. So um, is that like not allowing pet or... Or it's only like Changguan this one is allowing the pet? Oh, I am not sure actually. Oh, okay. Well, what, what, do, you, what do you think of generally um, allowing pets on public transport? I mean, would you mm. like to see them on the MTR, for example? I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I'm like a big supporter for the general generalization of pet friendly public transport around Hong Kong. It's actually been a topic that had been widely discussed like over the decade, and it's now not very convenient for uh, for you to travel with your pets, and I think that has to improve. Uh, what about for people who don't like animals? There are people who, do, you know, they go into the MTR and they would really not like to see a dog sitting next to them. Um, that's why I think that there should be uh, a, a special cart for animals. Like for that cart, you can bring in your uh, your your pets. You can bring in animals, and for other ones, uh, they they're not allowed to go in. And I think that's like the best way for you know uh, to balance out uh, different. Uh, interest groups. You know, I have a beautiful dog. His name is Hamilton. And mm -hmm. uh, whenever I see places that says pet friendly, I don't think they're referring to him because he's very nervous. Now, how do you make sure that it's safe for the people who would really like, you know, to take their young children on a ferry on the MTR and not be threatened by a nervous dog? Um, I think it actually, um, I think it, it's uh, how do I say this? Uh, I think communication is very important in this area because uh, I think that we, we do need some time to make adjustments, like even for the pet owners um, to bring out their dogs, like they need to train their dogs and, and you know, the behavior training and not to let their pets 
scare other kids or other passengers. I think that's very important in the first place. And for the second place, I think um, a lot of Hong Kong citizens are.、Uh, They resist animals tem-、uh, because they have、uh, because of the lack of understanding, and I think it's very important to promote this kind of publicity. As in, like pets can be very friendly as well. You don't have to be afraid, and the best publicity is actually from practice. So, so after after Jenny introduced his pet,、uh, I am gonna introduce my pet as well. I have a puppy called Benny, <laughs> and then、uh, actually, like just like what I said, I am literally looking for like flat in Saikong or Changguanou、uh, area. Is Changguanou or Saikong is a pet friendly area, or is there any、uh, a lot of like pet friendly facilities for for the pet owner or the pet to like? Communicate with each other or play play around.、Um, I think Saigon District does it a lot better than other districts because、uh, probably because there are a lot of country parks around the area and that people live here tend to keep a pet.、Um, we have a pet park、mm-hmm. and our sidewalks like、uh, are, are actually very spacious and the shopping malls are also very animal friendly. Like in my point of view, because、um, yesterday when I went to Monterey Mall. I was in the parking lot, and then there was a sign saying "pet friendly route," and I think that was very thoughtful. Why?、Well, um, you know, in my in my point of view, I do think that that's very thoughtful. Probably because, probably also because I don't have a pet myself.、Um, but you know, from what I just heard, I think、uh, as a pet owner, these kind of facilities might not be as Uh, pet friendly, as you know, I thought, and I think、uh, through communication with uh, people uh, who design the mall facilities,、uh, I think that can can be improved. Right, so we're talking about a new pet friendly ferry service between Changquanou and Saiwanhou. We just have just over five minutes to this program, and if you're interested in joining this conversation, please call us on two double three double eight two double six, or you can WhatsApp us on six eight nine nine eight five one eight. And with us is Angel Chong from Saigon District Council.、Uh, you don't have a pet yourself, Angel Chong? No, I used to have a cat though. Why, why are you why are you so advocating pet friendly places in in Saikung? I mean, you know, the, to 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 be fair, Saikung has a lot more space than than say, I don't know, North Point or Wan Chai. Some of these things、uh, might be possible in Saikung, and、uh, when you bring your dogs over to those other places, they might not be so welcome. What are your thoughts on that?、Uh, my thought on that is that. Um, I think Saikong District can is actually a pioneer in this area, and what it can teach other district in terms of pet friendliness is that it can be a demonstration area for the coexistence of people and pets, and allowing the citizens from you know other 17 districts to see that Hong Kong is actually pa- capable of achieving it,、mm. um, and many times、uh, you know we we do have this. Uh, lack of not lack of ability, but like、uh, we 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 do not like that much of you know trying new things or、uh, we resist some kind of new changes. Have you thought about how to give pet owners better guidelines on controlling the animals in public?、Um, yes, actually, like、um, this was one of my plans for the coming year, as in、uh, working with animal. Uh, 
organizations and associations as to teaching how pet owners can train their pets and and you know allowing them to bring out like to to bring their their pets around the area yeah when when you say this kind of training program are you saying that pet owners need to pay to to do that kind of training no actually they're um um non-profit organizations because you know in hong kong there are a lot of you know, we we're, we have a very stressful life and then we have a very busy work life as well. And a lot of people have an emotional uh, problems or they're very stressed. And I think having a pet does actually help them to re- relieve this kind of stress and, you know, get a healthier life and um, be in a better mood. And for people who have emotional, you know, difficulties um, can actually resolve these kind of problems by getting a pet. And I think uh, a lot of Hong Kong people do not have, uh, you know, uh, do not have this awareness of, oh, this can be one of the solutions. And I think in the future, uh, we can work better in promoting this. Uh, I'm thinking more about being responsible towards the animal's behavior. So, so you know, in, in some parts of the world, for example, uh, there are signs everywhere to say that, please put your dog on a leash. Or in some parts of the world, a dog actually has to be qualified to be uh, walk uh, off a leash. Have you thought about how we can introduce that kind of um, program we, in we Hong Kong? We actually already have that in Hong Kong. Like, you can get your pet qualified and it has to achieve a certain guideline for it to walk um, without a leash. Where do you do oh. that? Um, um, the, the Hong Kong government does have a program for that. Um, oh, okay. I read about that. You, you can search on it online. Okay. So, uh, okay, let's talk about um, the new ferry service again. So how long does it take from Shai uh, uh, Ho to Chiang or in reverse? Um, it takes 15 minutes now with the ferry line. Okay. Does, do, do the pets have to pay? Oh yeah, is is the same amount of money for uh, as a as a person. Oh, okay. So how much is that? Um, that would be I think sixteen dollars. Oh, do you need uh, if I bring my pet to uh, enjoy this new service? Do I need to like fill in the form in advance because uh, whenever I need to go to a landmark island or something, and I need to like fill in a form. Oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. All you have to do is bring your pet uh, on board onto the ferry and pay for your pet. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Angel Chong from Saikong District Council uh, talking about the new pet-friendly ferry launched between Changkwano and Saiwan Ho. We're coming up to 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining us on Backchat this morning. I'm Jenny Lam. I am Kaha. And our, uh, our producer today was Raphael Blatt.